AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. It ended up being an infield hit. This one hit the air right field. This one back. And Taylor isn't able to get it. And that one is gone. Just got over the fence. And Alec Thomas pulls one over the wall. The first hit of the game for the Diamondbacks. And Arizona within one. 3-2. Up the middle. Base hit. Perdomo is in. Carroll coming home. Freelix throw is too late. In the second goes Marte. And the Diamondbacks have taken the lead. And wild pitch gets past Contreras. Runner coming home. Tag. Save. Fam is in to score. Abner Uribe frustrated with himself on that wild pitch. And the Diamondbacks have a 4-2 lead. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. That's it. The Arizona Diamondbacks advance to the division series as they knock off the Brewers. Paul Seawald closes it out. And the Diamondbacks come into Milwaukee and win two straight. And now Arizona will move on and take on the Dodgers. Powell floats one. Watch McLaurin. Oh, perfect throw, but he's out of bounds. Right over the shoulder, but McLaurin couldn't get the feet in. And it's fourth down. Play fake. Field rolling right. He's going to turn it up, or is he going to throw it? He does! Touchdown! Number two for Cole Komet! And the pitch to Bryson. Fastball hit in the air. Deep to right field. Going back to Sanchez. He's going to just watch it go! A grand slam for Bryson Stott! He has lifted the roof off the building! And the Phillies have opened it up. They're on top seven to nothing! Back comes Eflin. That's swung on, and that's lifted high in the air to deep left field. Rosarena is back, and that ball is history. Rosarena didn't even really turn and look. He backpedaled a few feet, and that one was soaring out of here. Adolis Garcia puts the Rangers in front, one to nothing in the fourth. Now two outs. Carter the batter with the runner at third, and that one is swung on and hit deep to right. Way back there. That ball is history. Evan Carter with a laser two-run homer. The Rangers lead four to nothing. Three and two the count with the first base open. And the pitch is strike three called. And the Rays are done in 2023. As the Rays end their 26th year of existence with an awfully frustrating early exit from the postseason for the second, if not third, consecutive year. Rios ready. The 3-2 pitch. Lewis takes Watt's side. Now with the lefty loosening up and Max Kepler and Alex Kirloff lined up behind. Yep, here's our answer. John Schneider off the top dugout step and a pitching change. It is the postseason. Everything is on the table. It is all hands on deck. So if the matchups favor the lefty-lefty, the Blue Jays skipper won't hesitate to make the move. Tying runs on in scoring position. Pickoff move back at second. And Guerrero got picked off. Correa slips in behind. 
and combines with Sonny Gray to pick off Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is defiant about the call. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, October 5th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. You ever have that feeling that you're going to sneeze like any second? I kind of have that right now, so you might hear a sneeze here. Hopefully not. But uh, this is, you know, professional radio. In today's Sports Zone, maybe maybe without a sneeze, well, you know, stay tuned for that. Uh, in today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Diamondback Brewers, how surprised were you? Bears at Commanders, who you got tonight? The Phillies, will they beat the Braves? The Rays, what happened the last two days? The uh, the Jays, after we get done with the Rays, the Rays and the Jays. The Jays, what were they thinking? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, a Bears-Commanders Thursday night preview. Mostly Bears discussion with Zach Pearson of BearsReport.com. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include Diamondbacks and Brewers Game 2 analysis. Then in the final segment, it'll be the national roundup. That'll be top by rip from the headlines and from The Wire. Then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla we will have more Diamondbacks and Brewers Game 2 analysis and a wild card analysis from the four series, uh, which were all sweeps. We'll get to that during the extra point. Right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. Okay, just a little update. I think I'm out of the sneezing zone here. I didn't sneeze, and I don't feel like I'm going too soon, but you never know. All right, we start uh, the pipeline with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, rank your level of surprise regarding the Diamondbacks' elimination and domination, same thing in this case, of the Brewers. High, moderate, or low are your choices, and Corey is here and has the earlier turns. Right now, 100% on high on KDUSAM1060.com. Okay, so we're all high. There we go. All right, Zach Gallon battled back from a 32-pitch first inning. And uh, that was uh, then the offense uh, opened it up for four runs in the sixth inning and the eventual 5-2 game, uh, game two victory and the elimination of the Brewers. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who you got tonight, Bears plus five and a half or Commanders my, minus five and a half? And, Corey, what's happening here? Here, 100% on Commanders minus five and a half on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Maybe those people have bet because this number has gone up in the last two, six hours or so, certainly in the last hour and a half. In many places, this number is now six and a half. Six seemingly is the consensus at this point, but five and a half when we wrote the poll question. The home team commanders lost in overtime last Sunday at Philadelphia, while the Bears have now lost 14 consecutive games. They've almost gone a calendar year without winning a game after blowing a 28-7 lead and losing 31-28 last Sunday in Chicago. 
to the previous winless Broncos. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, uh, the Phillies dominated again. The defending uh, National League champs had little trouble the last two days against the, let's face it, clearly not ready for primetime Marlins. Uh, Will the Phillies beat the Braves for a second consecutive uh, season in the division playoff round, which begins for them on Saturday? Meanwhile, the Bears played, uh, not the Bears, the Rays played two awful games. Uh, 99 wins in the regular season. Remember, they started this season with 13 straight wins, but just one run in two games and some awful defense. Their season is over after two straight losses at home to the Rangers. What happened to the Rays in the postseason? Meanwhile, the Jays were stupid. For two years, I've not believed in Toronto because of the dugout decision-making, which I thought was questionable, and also poor baseball IQ for multiple key players. Those things certainly more than contributed to the Wednesday elimination. Do the Jays need another new manager, and do they need to make player personnel decisions? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, so pipeline for today. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, you know, 602 or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. I think I might sneeze again. It's returning. Uh, basically, the only rules, I'll continue that update for this segment, and then I'm done with it after this, hopefully. Basically, the only rules, accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or maybe if you're you know, sick of hearing about me, me possibly sneezing, you will be the target of this. All right. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. Coming up next, Corey has a news update. That'll be followed by a Thursday night football preview with Zach Pearson of BearsReport.com. Then once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Maybe we should put up a poll question of will Bob sneeze or not during the hour-long sports zone today? Right now, it's still no. Now it seems like I've gotten away. I'm not sure what's going on here. This is kind of a strange fascination or sensation would be a better word, right? Anyway, uh, so I'm done with this. If I do sneeze at some point here, I'll give you an update when we come back. Also in the next uh, bottom of the hour, say local roundup, we'll have more on the uh, Diamondbacks victory yesterday. So stay tuned for that. And uh, God knows what else in the one-hour sports zone for today. With Bob Camp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Listen to rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Bears, well, they last won a game on October the 24th of last year. Uh, that was at New England. Out to the KDUS hotline. We're now joined to the Sports Zone by Zach Pearson of BearsReport.com. And Zach, uh, 
Contrary, uh, sorry, actually, first up, sorry to start with the doom and gloom, but it's not my fault that the Bears haven't won a game for nearly one year. Uh, is the talent level on the roster that bad? Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been um, a kind of a nightmare second year here for uh, Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. I don't think the talent is actually that bad. I, I think a lot of it has to do with coaching, the scheme, um, and, and just, you know, a little bit of bad luck. Um, they can't seem to close out games when they have a chance. Um, that's, you know, been a little few times there in, in the past year. But, yeah, I, I actually think the talent is better than what we've seen. It's just they just, for whatever reason, cannot put it together. And now we're approaching a year um, without a win, and, and it's getting kind of ugly here in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, well, let's dive into some of these things. Let, let's actually break down the offense and defense. Let's start with the offense. Specifically, we'll start with Justin Fields. How would you evaluate the now to, um, two-plus seasons with him as a starting quarterback? Yeah, not what they've hoped for so far. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of hype around him coming out of Ohio State, and then there was a lot of excitement here in Chicago when they got him. You know, he kind of wasn't in the best of situations under Matt Nagy, kind of a lame duck head coach that year. Last year, you know, he showed signs of being a, a, a legit passer at times. Um, we knew what he could do with his legs, running the ball. This year, he was expected to take the step forward um, and pretty much told him in the offseason, you know, we want you to stay in the pocket more, become more of a pocket passer. And for the first, you know, three weeks, that's what he tried to do, and it just wasn't very successful. Um, you know, last Sunday against the Broncos was by far his best game as a passer. Four touchdowns, um, 23 to 24, but 285 to mm -hmm. three quarters. We're sitting there like, you know, in the press box, says, wow, this is the guy that a lot of people thought was coming out of Ohio State could be a franchise quarterback, and they waste that game. And, you know, it, it seems like for him, he had the fumble that was returned. That was his 33rd fumble in his career. He had the interception on the last drive that pretty much killed their chances to, to come back. When things go bad for him, it goes downhill in a hurry. It snowballs quick, and we've really seen that a lot of times. Here in Chicago, he does not have, you know, a game-winning drive. Um, he's had the opportunities. But, yeah, when he gets bad, it gets bad. So I, I think, you know, um, I don't want to say, you know, they're completely sold or not sold on what he can do yet. Um, still 13 games to go beginning tonight. Um, but the way they're going, they're looking to probably have a number one pick or, or, or a top three pick, and I don't, I don't think they could pass up a quarterback um, if it came down to it. Okay, so I think you just answered my next question, but I'll give it a whirl anyway. Is is he part of the solution or part of the problem here? It would have to take, you know, just a, you know, a crazy run for this offense, um, something we saw last week. you know. Now, But that was Denver's defense. So we have to kind of keep that in mind, one of the worst defenses in the league. Faces a good, a good defense tonight. They got a good defense um, coming up in, against Minnesota or a respectable defense. Um, so he'll have his challenges coming up, but – He's got to do that consistently. Like they have to somehow make the playoffs, win a playoff game. Um, he has to play well, throw the football well. And I, I, I just, you know, there's always a chance, but I just don't see it happening. I, I do think, you know, they'll keep him around next year as well because they still got the one year left. But um, they're going to make a decision on the fifth year option. And right now, it's worth it. I don't think they'll pick it up. Okay, continuing with the evaluation of the offense here, the line, the offensive line sustained multiple injuries so far, uh, so far this season. How much has this played a, a role in this season's of, you know, zero and four start? Yeah, I think it's a big factor. Um, four games, I want to say 
three different offensive line combinations so far. That's not good for any football team. Um, you know, they should be getting Tevin Jenkins back, a guy that they're high on, a guy that's shown some promise. You know, he's, he was going to be their starting left guard. When he went out, they had to move veteran Cody White here there. They had to put Lucas Patrick at center. Just hasn't worked out. The Nate Davis signing missed a couple weeks with, um, you know, personal issues, personal reasons. So they've had to put in, you know, a six-round pick to start there. Um, the left tackle is now hurt and, and going to miss a couple more games. So just no consistency. When you don't have that consistency, you know, it impacts the flow of the offense. We saw against Denver, um, you know, when they went from fourth down, there was a missed key block by rookie Darnell Wright, um, who's, who's played very well. Um, that was probably one of his biggest mistakes. But you miss a tackle, you miss a block there, and then the play is blown up. It's kind of little things like that, you know, um, not being on the same cadence as the quarterback, not, you know, being um, all in rhythm and pass blocking or, or run blocking. Yeah, it, it has played a little bit of a factor in the struggles. The skill player uh, group with, uh, you know, they added DJ Moore in the big offseason trade. They added multiple running backs via free agency in the draft. Is that skill position group, is it of NFL caliber, do you think? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, they were obviously banking on Chase Claypool taking a big step forward, and that's just been an absolute nightmare. I don't think he'll be around much longer. It doesn't make sense to keep him here, um, you know, for – on the field performance and off the field issues as well. Um, you know, outside of DJ Moore, I, you know, I do think there's talent in guys like Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. Um, they're really high in rookie running back Roshan Johnson out of Texas. And Cool Herbert's shown some signs as well, but it's not, you know, elite NFL caliber. It's not even probably playoff caliber at this point outside of, you know, <clears throat> DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. So they do have room to get better. Um, but, you know, I don't know what they can do this year to, um, to get better. They're probably not going to go out and trade for someone. And, you know, they made that mistake last year with Claypool. So a lot of that, excuse me, a lot kind of, you know, is based off that. They gave up a high second-round pick for a guy who they thought could be an elite receiver and it just hasn't worked out. So, yeah, it's pretty much DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and then they need a lot of help. Zach Pearson at BearsReport.com, calling in the sports zone. Okay, let's break down the defense. Well, let's just ask the, right off the bat, how would you break down the defense? Bad. Very, very bad. <laughs> no pass rush. Um, <clears throat> one of the worst units in the league. And that's, you know, the, <clears throat> excuse me, Matt Eberflus is on the hot seat. And you point to the defense because he's a defensive guy. He came from Indianapolis, a defensive coordinator. And they are, like, dead last in every major category. They have two stacks on the year. Um, going into last week's game, I think there was 52, 53 NFL players themselves had more sacks than the entire Bears defense. And this is something that happened last year as well. Yeah, it's bad. And, and last year, you know, to end the season, safety Jaquan Brisker, um, linebacker Roquan, he only played five or six games before being traded, and undrafted linebacker Jack Sanborn were their top three leaders in sacks. And that cannot happen. Um, you know, it did not get better this year. And when you don't have a pass rush, um, your your secondary, which I think is, is still very good, not even hit with some injuries, but they have talent back there. Um, you know, you, you have to cover long and, and longer, and, and they, that's not you know a good recipe for success. Um, the linebackers have invested money in. You know, they decided not to pay Roquan Smith. They brought in T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. They both have struggled tackling. Both have struggled in coverage. So, yeah, that front seven is probably their biggest issue. And, um, 
it, it's not good because, like I said, Matty Rufus is a defensive guy, and their scheme just right now is not working. You mentioned the secondary. Eddie Jackson and you know, Brisker, who you talked about, they've missed time with injuries. Pardon me if uh, for the ignorance of this question, if that's you know accurate or not. Uh, how much better is this defense if they have a healthy Jackson and Brisker? Um, you know, a little better. I, I do think Eddie Jackson's a guy who can, you know, who's come out of Alabama. He's had you know moments where he's, he's changed games himself. He had a big 2018, uh, a good 2017 rookie year. After he got paid, he kind of production dipped. But you know, last year he was he was playing at a high level before he got hurt. Now he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, that's been his biggest thing. As far as Juan Brisker, everyone here was expecting a big leap um, in his second year as a starting safety. It's just not happening. And he's been <laughs> so it's like, you know, when you got the full starting safety, you know, it really hurts your secondary. I think they're better, um, good enough to, you know, impact win games. I can't say that because we did see them out there against Green Bay week one and um, Tampa Bay and, and Jordan Love and, and Baker Mayfield traded those defense, that, that defense in back-to-back mm. weeks. So mm-hmm. I, I can't say that it, 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 it would fully change things. Okay, you mentioned Eberflus. How much of this is on him? You mentioned the defensive side of things, but just overall in general, how much of this is on him? I think a lot of it. Um, you know, I do think General Mayor Ryan Poles does deserve you know, some criticism and, and his seat to be a little hot, um, you know, with the moves he's made. But you look at a coach like this and defense, 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 and you have, you know, the worst, if not, you know, a bottom three defense in back-to-back years of not getting better. You've invested draft picks. You've invested money. Um, at some point, it comes down to coaching as well. And, you know, I just I, – I think he might be in a little over his head. Um when you look at situations that have happened off the field, locker room stuff with, with Chase Claypool, the Bears want to be secret about that. Um, you know, obviously the stuff with Alan Williams, uh, we don't know what what happened or what was going on. They didn't tell us much on that. Um, it, it, I don't want to say he's lost the locker room, but it just kind of feels like things are really spiraling for him. Um, and, you know, the thing with the Bears is they have never fired a head coach mid, in the middle of a season ever in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Um I think the general vibe here in Chicago is it's over. Um, I, I think this regime is, is, is done in terms of coaching staff. I don't expect them to make changes in the middle of the season. Um, I, I think, you know, it would be the smart thing to do. Problem is they don't have um, an interim. They don't have a guy they can really give, you know, mm-hmm. the head coaching job or tag to. So, yeah, I do think a lot of it is on, on an Eberflus, and you have to show results. I mean, they were the worst team in the NFL last year, and they look like they're going to be the worst team in the NFL again this year through four weeks. So unless there's some drastic change, you know, I, I think the era is pretty much over here. You mentioned Ryan Poles, the general manager. It's you know, He's been in this role for roughly two years, two calendar years. Is it fair to you know, put that criticism on him yet because it's been a short-term thing, and he did inherit not the greatest uh, situation. Yeah, and that's the key thing. He inherited a, a really bad situation with cap space and all that. Um, you know, Ryan Ryan Pace really put them in a bad spot by moving money down the line um, when he was here. So I do think there's a little leeway for Ryan Poles. The problem is, you know, the major flaw in his record right now is trading number 32 overall. Well, it turned out to be number 32 overall for Chase Claypool. We had yeah. 18 receptions, 191 yards, one touchdown. 
Um, you know, his draft picks, not all of them have hit, as some have, um, but, you know, he, he's passed on a couple guys on the offensive line I thought would have helped. Um, you know, he hasn't, his free agent signings haven't been great so far. I mentioned they invested big money um, in TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, so, yeah, I think he'll get another year. Um, I think he'll get his chance at a quarterback. I, you know, I know the reports for Robert Bay were totally in on Justin Fields. I'm not sold on that. Um, I just, I think they didn't really think this quarterback class was as good as what could have, you know, could be coming up with Caleb Williams and Drake May and maybe the kid out of Washington as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they're fully sold on Justin Fields. I do think he'll get, um, you know, a chance to pick a quarterback and, you know, he'll have, as it's looking right now, he'll have two top five picks. Right now they have number one and number two. So I think this draft will be a big one for him if he does stay. Okay, you mentioned place, uh, Chase Claypool. Trade deadline's coming soon. Uh, other than him, do they have some players on this roster that you know, teams that are contenders might be willing to trade for? Man, um, probably not. <laughs> I mean, you look at Eddie Jackson, but you know, he um, he can't stay healthy. Jalen Johnson, maybe. He's in a contract year. He wants to stay here. He wants a new deal. Um, I, I think Darnell Mooney is probably an option. He's their second-best wide receiver. But, again, he wants a contract as well. It wouldn't be you know shocking to see them on, on you know unload Mooney and um, Johnson. Other than that, um, probably not. I, I, there's no value for Chase Claypool right now. Like I, I think they're going to have to flat-out release him. Um, I don't yeah. think they'll trade Justin Fields, even though they're not really sold on him. I, I just don't think you'd get the return. That'd be worth it. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, not much trade value going on with this roster right now. Talking Bears with Zach Pearson of BearsReport.com. Okay, let's get into this game a little bit tonight in Washington. How much of this game comes down to the Bears, you know, depleted to some extent offensive line trying to block the commander's defensive front? Uh, everything. I think that's going to be the biggest factor. Um, you know, I, I think Justin Fields is going to have to use his legs to win this game tonight. Um, he's going to have to have one of those like vintage, hundred yard, you know, break off a couple, you know, forty, fifty yard runs for touchdowns. Uh, I mean, the, the Bears have faced you know the Packers defensive line, which is pretty good. Um, the Bucks good, and, and the Chiefs, who is very good as well. And this will be right up there with them, if not better. And they really didn't handle that well. Um, you know. They break down too often in pressure. They'll have um, a, fit, uh, a fifth round pick in Larry Borum starting at left tackle. That's not a good matchup. They haven't been able to hand, handle pressure up front um, in the middle of that offensive line. So, yeah, I think it's going to be everything. I think if the Bears can somehow find a way to win that battle up front, get Justin Fields on the move, um, you know, maybe let him run, let him kind of freestyle a little bit out there, they have a chance. Um, I think we'll know right away in that first drive. If Washington comes out and, and they're getting pressure, it's going to be a long night for this offense. Okay, you might have answered this question with some of your answers already without actually knowing this question. Uh, they've gone to basically six, six-and-a-half-point underdogs this morning in most betting shops. Uh, do the yep. Bears either win or at least cover tonight uh, that six, six-and-a-half-point number? I think they will cover. Um, I, I think Thursday night is, is those are always weird games. Um, you know, it's a short week. I think this is a team that you know they, we saw what they could do for three quarters against the Broncos. They really should have won that game. I think they want to prove something on national television. Um, so I think they'll keep it close. You know, six and a half—that's that, a pretty big number. 
Um, I do think Washington will win, um, you know, three or four points. Um, but, yeah, I think the Bears will cover this one. Is that good stuff? I appreciate the time. Thanks. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Zach Pearson of BearsReport.com. Check out his work. And um, you know, go to BearsReport.com and then act accordingly. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion. Also, in the next segment, today's local roundup. That will include analysis of the Diamondbacks' Game 2 victory over the Brewers. The Game 2, the, uh, the clinching victory in the best of C- uh, three series and I'm a little bit sad today because, you know, four baseball games the last two days, that might even been a little too much for me. I was pretty tired at the end of yesterday, mentally tired. You know, I don't don't do enough physically to be tired physically anymore. But the mentally tired, uh, in a way, I kind of said, well, got a break today, but there's no games tomorrow, so I wish there were a game or two today at least. But uh, we'll uh, get into the Diamondbacks from yesterday a little bit. And phone call time, general discussion if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it's phone call time to the KDUS hotline at 602-260-1060. General discussion. If you're on hold, we'll get to you in a minute. If you're not on hold, get on in now, and we will get to you eventually. All right, topping today's local roundup, the Diamondbacks' two-game sweep of the uh, Brewers. Um, Surprised, uh, certainly the betting market. I wasn't that surprised that the Diamondbacks were an underdog Tuesday and Wednesday, certainly Tuesday and even Wednesday. But what did surprise me? is that the Brewers got hammered yesterday. Uh, you know, the uh, pitching matchup was Freddie Peralta against Zach Gallen. That line opened roughly minus, you know, the, the, the Diamondbacks were, you know, the, the, excuse me, the Brewers are 125 favorite. That line went to 140, 145 at some sports books by first pitch. That did surprise me. Gallen, after it got through the 32-pitch shaky first inning, settled in very nicely. Made it through six innings. The offense scored four times in the sixth inning to knock out Peralta, who had only given up one hit before that. Uh, Gallon ended up losing, allowing, excuse me, ended up allowing two runs in that 32 pitch first inning, but then didn't allow any in the next four innings and uh, five innings, excuse me, through six. He, he ended up throwing six, uh, two runs, five hits, three walks, struck out four, ended up throwing a hundred pitches in the game. Uh, they scored in the uh, fifth inning. They broke through on the Alec Thomas home run. And then the key part of the game to me was uh, number nine hitter Gerardo Perdomo leading off the uh, sixth inning with a walk. Uh, Corbin Carroll added with a, a broken bat double. And uh, then Cattell Marte and Tommy Pham got run scoring singles at that point. Marte's for two runs and Pham for one. Uh, as I mentioned before that, uh, you know, Thomas home run, Peralta had actually no hit the Diamondbacks before that hit. Uh, the Diamondbacks bullpen once again, Ryan Thompson, Kevin Ginkle, Andrew Salfrink, and also Paul Seawald. They shut out the Brewers for the last three innings. So the two games of this series, the off-maligned Diamondbacks bullpen uh, hurled nine in the third scoreless innings. 
in the series and they outpitched the Brewers bullpen, which was expected to be a big advantage for Milwaukee before this series started. So up next, because the Diamondbacks took care of business and swept the Brewers, Merrill Kelly is ready to start Game 1 on Saturday at Dodger Stadium. Gallon is in line to start Game 2, which is not until Monday. They have an off day on Sunday, and I think that that's to the benefit of the Diamondbacks. I'm sure that the Diamondbacks are thrilled about the schedule in this best-of-five division series, which has the off day on Sunday and also has an off day on Tuesday and then an off day on Thursday. Uh, so if it goes five games, a possible game five would be Saturday at Dodger Stadium. All right, on to the phone lines we go. And uh, 602-260-1060, Matt in Phoenix, what's up? Bob, how you doing? I'm good. Good. Um, real quick, John Shambi on the uh, Diamondbacks broadcast. Uh, I don't know your opinion. I think he's terrific. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, I think he's good. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, I used to like Glanville a lot more than I don't know what's up. You know, the last couple days, I didn't really think that he was on his game. Quite frankly, yeah. Um, far be it for me to criticize a guy with an Ivy League education, but still, <laughs> I didn't quite exactly get what he was talking about sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's uh, pivot here to the Blue Jays. Um, my goodness, uh, kind of a a microcosm of the last few years. Um, the decision to take Barrios out, and uh, I think oh. even worse, um, what is Vladimir Guerrero doing? I mean, holy cow. And um, I've heard some rumblings, I don't know if you have, that there's a possibility that uh, they would look to move him. Um, I don't have any problem with that. If you could actually, if you would... Well, if you would have told me that one team would have these issues in the first round of the playoffs and give me the teams that were involved, that they would be the first one, I would guess. Without question. Uh, the other thing is, is I, I just, I, I've said this more than occasionally over the last few years here, uh, that this nucleus of players, especially these guys that are you know sons of major leaguers that have been yep. around the game their whole life. Their baseball IQ is, were, did they ever watch a game when they were growing up or when they currently are playing? I agree. They do, they do an incredible amount of stupid things, and that includes Bichette. Yes, without question. And, and uh, n- no disrespect to him, but uh, Kevin Biggio can't play. Um, that is 100% and, correct. All he can do is walk. Gets a yeah. walk. That's it. And him hitting fifth in, in a lineup on a playoff team is mind-boggling. I mean, kind of piggyback on, on the Carrero um, play. Boy, oh boy, is Carlos Correa winner. I mean, that's the best right. way that I can describe him. Um, it's why I was so happy when I thought the Mets were going to sign him. Um, apparently, he's the one who recognized that Guerrero was cheating off and set up the pickoff yeah. play. Um, he gets big hit after big hit in big games, and um, he's just a lot of fun to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, he's a dude that has a high baseball IQ. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I actually heard Sonny Gray in the postgame yesterday talking about how you know basically Correa set up that whole thing yeah. uh, with the pickoff at second base. And you know, I'm not blaming Bichette, actually, for getting thrown out at home in the first game uh, to end the inning because that was actually the right move to you know, sure. give, it, give it a shot. But that was another incredible play by Correa. That was that was a physical play yeah, by him. Good point. Yesterday was a mental play by him. 
Absolutely. Um, as far as Philadelphia and Atlanta, extremely intrigued by this series. Um, I know you mentioned the Diamondbacks and their schedule and how it may benefit them. I don't know if you looked at the series set up for Philadelphia Atlanta. Um, days off between games one and two, two and three, and four and five. Um, mm. Wheeler looks set up for two and five if it goes that long. Um, with the, uh, I guess Max Fried may have a blister issue. Morton's uh, not going He's, to be on the he, roster. Right for the first round. Yeah. Well, their um, their first round. Yes, um, I think Philadelphia is extremely live in this series, and it usually doesn't matter. But boy, oh boy, are they good at home! I mean that that ballpark is electric. Um, I think they feed off the energy. Um, I know we've talked about their defense. I think their outfield defense with Pache and Rojas is certainly improved from last year. Uh, not that it's necessarily a strength, but I think it's better than it was last year. Um, I think their bullpen is probably better than Atlanta's, and um, I just think they're they're a team that's built for this type of uh, uh, environment. And I think they I think they knock off the Braves. I wouldn't be surprised. I have no interest in betting on this series, or maybe not even in a game. Uh, if the Braves pitching were all set up and ready to go and healthy, I would have Absolutely. a completely different feeling. Totally. Uh, so, you know, you know, I also got the idea that, you know, with the blister situation with Freed, they were being cautious when they put him on the injured list a couple of weeks ago because they felt confident that he'd be ready to start here. Uh, but uh, maybe I'd change my mind once the series begins. I don't disagree with your analysis, but um, – for a team, um, you know, clearly, you know, for the majority of the season, and I mean like 90% of the season, uh, the Braves were a far superior team, so I'm yeah. not going to change my mind on based on what I've seen for two weeks. The only bet I made is actually a long-term bet. Um, I think the winner of this series gets to the World Series. Um, yeah. And I found 100-1 to 1 today on Zach Wheeler to be the World Series MVP. So um, I I think that's worth a shot, uh, especially considering our thoughts that this series kind of decides the National League winner. So um, lastly, Bob, are you confused? And I'll hang up and listen on this one. Are you confused by the pick'em price in in the Baltimore-Texas series? I don't even know it was a pick'em price. Um, Why why are you confused? Um, I think Baltimore's the better team. I think the Rangers have some starting pitching issues and, and even with the injury to Bautista, I think bullpen, uh, bullpen-wise, um, Baltimore's certainly better. Yeah, I think they are, too. Um, I don't know if the Scherzer factor is playing a role. You know, he threw yesterday, and I guess that went pretty well. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. But, you know, they didn't rule him out for being eligible or activated or put on the roster for the second round, but I don't know if you know what you're getting out of him. I'm guessing that they don't know what they're getting out of him if he pitches. Um, so that, you know, the thing that was most surprising to me in that series is how good Evaldi was yesterday. Terrific. Um, he was awesome. Yeah. I mean, the Rays just, you know, you know, threw up on themselves to use oh. a phrase from good old Kevin McCabe. Uh, but, uh, you know, every time I hear somebody say that, I think of McCabe cause he likes that phrase. But anyway, um, 
that's a pretty, you know, that was a big surprise for two days in a row. They just did everything humanly possible to lose that series. Yeah. But Evaldi was dominant yesterday. He looked he like great. Evaldi before the All-Star break. And yes, he did. He wasn't, he wasn't any good in like five starts coming back from the, in, from the injured list until yesterday. So if he's pitching like that, uh, it's going to be difficult for the Orioles to beat him. Absolutely. Appreciate it as always, Bob. Okay, good stuff. Thank you very much. All right, next segment, we'll wrap up the sports zone with the National Roundup. That'll start uh, with uh, some uh, items from the wire and uh, rip from the headlines. And uh, might actually start tonight's game. Yeah, well, actually, let's just do that right now. You know, we talked about this in the uh, last segment uh, when we talked about the Bears. Six, six and a halfs everywhere now. Uh, and this is actually changing by the minute. As I literally speak right now, it's gone to six and a half on the Mirage in the last five minutes or so, uh, according to my uh, you know, VEASAN odds counter, which I use for the, at least the Nevada odds. So uh, uh, a lot of money in Washington. This number was five and a half pretty much everywhere in the world yesterday afternoon, late evening, like between five and seven o'clock last night, somewhere in that ballpark. Now six, six and a half everywhere. It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 uh, A little rip from the headlines, flash from the wire. The NFL considering discipline against Seattle Seahawks safety Jamal Adams for his actions uh, directed towards an independent concussion doctor uh, during that you know, game on Monday night. Obviously, Adams just back from the injury and he was uh, frustrated that he had suffered the concussion and had to leave that game on Monday night. Looks like the Broncos are going to release Randy Gregory. Uh, Sean Payton actually all but confirmed this yesterday. Uh, Gregory was a big free agent signing a couple years ago. That hasn't worked out very well. Uh, meanwhile, the NFL also uh, defending its recent coverage of pop superstar Taylor Swift and Kansas City uh, tied in Travis Kelsey. Yeah, even Kelsey is telling people to tone it down. But uh, obviously that was a big part of the Sunday night broadcast at NBC with the entourage. Even I, I don't know who 99% of these people are that she's hanging out with. But it was you know, supposedly like an all-star entourage of people. Uh, and so, so it, was a, it was a big deal. Plus, obviously... Fool it, not not. They, they, I guess NBC got criticized because all the Taylor Swift and you know spots that were during commercials and so forth. What the hell are they supposed to do? I mean, that's you know they should take advantage of the situation. They'd be stupid if they didn't do that. Meanwhile, college football, Colorado two-way star Travis Hunter likely he's not going to play this week uh, against ASU. Remember, he was injured in that Colorado State game, had the lacerated kidney on the cheap shot from the Colorado State player. Actually, I want to commend Hunter. He's been a complete class act through all this, and he's actually, uh, I don't do the social media stuff, but I understand he's had a social media uh, friendship, relationship, whatever it is, uh, with the uh, Colorado State player. So good for Travis Hunter to not hold uh, the Colorado State player uh, you know, particularly liable to some extent, not officially liable, but you get my, uh, you know, he's not blaming him. So I probably would, quite frankly, because he got, that was a 
really bad play by the Colorado State guy. Meanwhile, we mentioned it briefly in the last segment, Max Scherzer. Uh, the Rangers was encouraged after a pain-free bullpen session on Wednesday. Speculation is he might be on the active roster for the next series. Uh, Bob Melvin will be back as the manager of the uh, Padres, according to GM J.J. Preller, supposedly, at least reportedly according to The Athletic a couple of weeks ago, uh, that they had a fractured relationship, Melvin and Preller did. But uh, Preller announcing yesterday that Melvin was going to be back to my knowledge, I don't think Melvin has like said he's going to be back. There was speculation that Melvin might end up as the next uh, San Francisco Giants manager. That happened over the weekend when Gabe Kapler was out as the Giants manager. All right, next two hours will be the Extra Point hosted by Kale, including more uh, Diamondbacks and Brewers and uh, more wildcard round analysis. we got to get that wildcard round analysis in today because the wildcard wild round is over. All four series sweeps, which is means a silent day for baseball today, which is sad, in my opinion. Also, have more phone call time in the next two hours, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.